0: Hey, welcome to Mindful Mostly. I'm Andrea Collins, and this is a podcast for those of us who are mindful most of the time. You want to live your best life, you want to live it well, but you're not, you know, going on a silent retreat about it. But if you do, that's okay. Today on the show, oh boy, we are getting mindful of your money situation. How are you with cash? How are you saving? How do you feel when people talk to you about money? And do you have your shit together? We're gonna find all of that out today together. Because certified financial planner, Shauna Compton-Game is on the show. She's actually the host of the Millennial Money podcast. It's a really great show. We're gonna talk to her a bit about everything today like what makes us women unique financially. And maybe you're thinking about branching out on your own work-wise, entering a career of entrepreneurship. So how you can make the best of that and set yourself up for success. Plus what's the rule when it comes to spending versus saving? And then how much should you be spending on things like your social life your shopping addiction, your house, your car, your phone, all that stuff. Plus, how to make sure in this moment we are setting ourselves up financially for the future. Oh, and if you get weird when you talk about money or your partner does, we're going to get into that too. But first, a couple of things. We are almost done. Mercury in retrograde. It is over this week on Wednesday, actually the 28th. Then it's back again July 7th to August 2nd and October 31st to November 20th, but we'll worry about those when we get there, right? I uh, read the definition of Mercury in retrograde last week, and it was funny. It was an excuse astrology-type people use when stuff goes wrong. How true. Uh, On some personal news, I'm going on a solo trip tomorrow. I have always wanted to go to Copenhagen. So I'm going. And I'm going alone. I'm so excited about it because I know that I'll get a lot of inspiration from being there. And it's just always exciting being really far from home where they speak a different language and you embarrass yourself on a daily basis. That's good for you, I believe. I am going alone. I wanted to go alone. It would have been ideal if there was a friend that could have joined me for like a couple of days on the tail end, you know, but uh, that didn't happen and that's okay. I think that there'll be times when I'm, I'm alone and I'm thinking, and I see people like laughing at a restaurant and I think, I'm so alone. <laughs> I wish I had someone here with me. And then there'll be other times where I'm like, I'm really glad I'm here by myself, you know? When you don't have to, like, consider anybody else's tourist schedule. Because, let's be real, I just want to go to so many vintage stores. And I want to eat so much stuff. And I just want to walk and walk and walk and look at the beautiful people. And anyway, I mean, we'll see how this is going to go. Solo trips are a good thing. Remember that podcast we did? Go back in the archives and listen to that one if you can. Um, And you know what? I won't be alone because I'll post some pictures of my solo trip on the mindful mostly insta stories so come along with me you'll be like andrea another danish pastry yeah and if you haven't joined the um instagram community yet do so at mindful mostly okay let's talk to certified financial planner shauna compton game all right shauna are you ready to talk to us about money i'm ready Okay, so you talk to a lot of women, right, a lot of millennial women, and what do you find makes
1: us unique
0: financially?
1: That's such a great question because I think women, we don't necessarily think about ourselves as unique, but we really are. I mean, there's so many different dynamics. For one, obviously, uh, women outlive, tend to outlive men, and it's usually by at least five to 10 years. So Even just thinking about that, and I realize that's a long way off for so many people, but that creates its own dynamic because we have to have cash to be able to live a a really long life. And women also start and stop our careers a lot. So we'll, we'll have babies or we'll change our careers or, you know, when our parents get older, we're usually the ones that tend to be the caregivers. So we're kind of stepping in and out of the workforce at different times in our lives. And for that reason, we might not have as much saved as a male counterpart that just worked for 30, 40 years straight. So there's a lot of complexities with that. And then you kind of put like the cherry on top for women. And that's that we tend to be more conservative. We're not aggressive investors. We like to have a lot of cash that's just kind of sitting aside and all of these things put together makes it like the perfect storm for women where we really need to be talking about money in an open way so that we can all have enough cash to live the life that we want to live. For sure. And and like
0: the kids part, like you said, is such a huge part of it because like, let's say you step back from your career and your husband's career, you know, goes super well and then it's harder for you to get back in the game or, you know, all that stress that comes with that.
1: Absolutely, and for each of us, it's a little bit different. But we all have a lot of the same similarities. So, and even when you when you have a kid, a lot of times, the cost these days, if particularly if you're in a big city like I'm in Los Angeles, the cost for daycare is just astronomical. Insane, yeah. And I see friends spending like $1,000 plus a week just on care for their child. And it's just, it becomes this big question of, do I go back to work? Do I not go back to work? Is it right for me to start my own business or not start my own business? I mean, there's just so many complexities that we have to think about that are stressful, like you said.
0: Do you talk to a lot of women about budgeting? And if so, what do a lot of women commonly waste money on? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Such a good question. Yeah, you know, I talk to everybody about budgeting, particularly particularly women, because I think it's something that women really want to have a, a strong grasp of where their money's going. And the word budgeting, I think, is like the big bad B word. So many people just like, you know, you can see their faces just like cringe <laughs> when I mention budgeting. So I try to just come at it from a little bit more friendly, appealing way. And it really is just the art of tracking where you're spending your money and then adding up those different categories so you can have a real good grasp of where your money's going. And the only reason that you're doing this is because you have goals and things that you want to do in life. So if we're good at knowing where we're spending our money, then we can direct our money in the ways that we need to in order to achieve those goals. So I find like when you can connect it to something that you wanna do or achieve in your life, it just makes the process so much more enjoyable. But I would say for women, of course, shopping is is a big thing. Uh, these days I see a lot of subscription type expenses and even though they might not seem like a lot, not a lot like $5 here or $2 here, it all kind of adds up. Mm. Um, and then another category that is just, of course, like across the board and uh, a splurge for everyone is eating out. We all spend so much on eating out that we don't even realize it. So <laughs> it's it's just always the, the one category that I always go to first for everybody. Oh, my God. I find as I'm growing, as
0: I'm getting older, I say things at restaurants like, I could have made this at home for a quarter of the price. <laughs>
1: Right. And I think that's really where we're starting to see a lot of the like HelloFresh and those types of services that are delivering food for you to cook at home. Because I think we're starting to have this awareness of like, oh my God, I'm spending so much money eating out. Maybe there's a better way to do it. So I'm a big fan of learn how to cook just like a few things and you can radically change your your bank account
0: every month. For sure. I I think about Back to when, like, I was going out and, like, going for lots of drinks, like, mid-20s, you know? And you've, like, yeah. you got your first, like, steady job and you got a little bit of extra income. Like, when I think of the money I would have spent on booze and late-night eats, it's it's depressing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and what you could probably do without money now, like if somebody gave you an extra five or 10 grand, it's like, oh my gosh, I could change so many things. Exactly,
0: I know. Okay, so one topic that um, a lot of people are, are interested in is leaving your job and stepping into the world of entrepreneurship, which can be scary as hell. Um, and what tips can you give people if they're thinking about it So when they do make the leap, they don't find themselves broke.
1: Yeah, and a broke, of course, is what we're trying to avoid because that just brings on so much more stress. And I think it's really interesting because there's this whole shift now, I think, because we can do so many careers at home or from our laptops and side hustles or like, you know, in the same conversation as avocado toast, it's like everybody's doing this. But, you know, to to set yourself up well in the beginning is really, I think, such a smart decision to make. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19 in college, so I know what it's like to work with income that's large and then months where it's small and you're having to figure things out. So I think some of the things you can really do to set yourself up, one is have, I call it an oh crap account. And it's a separate savings account that is a high interest savings account. So you're earning more interest on your savings, but try to save as much as you can. Really, I think at least six months to maybe if you can, even a year's worth of expenses in that account before you quit your job. So that way you know you have this this pad because starting your own business, even if you know that you can get customers From day one, there are so many unexpected expenses that come your way. So just having a stash of money that you can tap into, I think, is a great thing. Uh, Another thing is just giving yourself permission to back off some things like retirement funding. Maybe you back off it for six months or a year until your business gets up and running, but that gives you a little extra cash to work with. And then I think also not being afraid to say, okay, I'm trying this, stepping into this business venture, but I'm going to give it three months or six months, whatever time period feels right for you. And then at the end of that time period, I'm going to reassess, like maybe this isn't the right thing, or maybe I need to change the focus, or maybe I need to ask for help, whatever, because not all business ventures work. So I think, you know, giving yourself permission to be like, okay, this doesn't work is a really smart money decision to make. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I guess it. one would need to look at what your monthly expenses are and then factor in extra for the oh crap incidentals that inevitably come up and then, and then times
1: that by 12 if you're going to do it for a year, right? Exactly. So knowing, and most of us don't know this number exactly, but this is a really easy number to figure out is, what is your foundation number, I call it? So what is the number that you need to bring in every single month just to cover your bills? And like your minimum credit card payment or minimum student loan payment, like all of those things mushed together. What's that number? So that number gives you a really good indication of like, okay, how much do I need to make in a month just to be able to fund the stuff that I've got to pay? That isn't like any extras or any fun things. So that can be the number that helps you figure out how much you should save or at least aim to save to just put yourself in a comfy position. And then, of course, everything over that is just gravy. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I guess you have to be really realistic with yourself in that sense. Like, you got to think about what you're actually spending on
1: your phone bill or you're actually spending on your groceries. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the key. You know, I think we If we were ever taught budgeting, and in my opinion, we were taught about it wrong, because if you write numbers down on a piece of paper of what you think you're going to spend the next month, you could essentially lie, right? You could put any number that you want down on that piece of paper, but it's not an accurate representation of what you're spending your money on. So I always tell people, create a two column system. One where it looks ahead at the month and says, okay, this is as much I think I'm gonna spend. But the other column that goes and looks back at the month and says, wait a minute, this is what I actually spent. Because when you can compare and contrast the two columns, you can really figure out, okay, where am I doing really good? Or where are things going a little bit amok? And you can you can correct those things, because, again, the only reason you're doing this is because you've got these awesome goals, whether it's your business or a trip or a house you want to buy or whatever it may be. You want to be able to empower your money to go in those directions. For sure. Can you recommend any apps that are good for that? Like there's budgeting apps, right? Yeah, you know, uh, it's such a great question. I have tried literally almost every app on the market. Anytime there's a new app, I'm like, well, let me try this one and see what this does. And the two that I just keep coming back to is, well, there's actually three, I should say. One has now entered in the rotation, but I love Clarity Money. It's a really good, simplistic app that helps you see a snapshot of where you're spending your money. And it also identifies things like, utilities and other bills that you might be overpaying and gives you some suggestions mm-hmm. on that. So that's a real good one if you want to kind of just put your toe in the water. Um Albert is another one that has come up recently that helps to carve out ways and suggestions for how you can save more money every month. And then if somebody's like I'm just hardcore, I want to go hardcore, I want to look at every number you Need a Budget is a great it's an app and a desktop program where you can literally put goals in and you can look at every single cent that's flowing in and out of your bank account. So those are three that I just keep coming back to that I think are really good, but I always tell everybody like try a couple of different things to see what's going to work for you. And if an app just doesn't work for you, that's cool. Like you can use an cell template or a pen and paper or even post-it notes so just find the right system that makes you super excited to do this i think even some
0: online banks have like a budgeting program built in like there's some tab you can usually click and it'll say you spent this much on entertainment and this much on home and and this much on whatever or i think even people's um credit cards some credit cards offer that too, but definitely, I, I think I used Mint. Mint is yes, that one? Yes, I had used that. Is correct. I had used that at one point, and I, and I liked it, but then kind of went a little off off track.
1: <laughs> that's that's what happens with most people, and it's understandable because it, it's just like anything. If you're trying to run a marathon or trying to lose weight. Like You have to go inch by inch, step by step. And I tell people, it's just every day. Just do one small little money task every day. And that just will help you cultivate a strong habit, but also will keep you motivated. So it's not like you have to check 30 things off your list in one day. Just do one little thing. And as long as it's propelling you forward, you're moving in the right direction. Um, Now,
0: how much do you think one should be spending on – Home, car, phone, savings, like what's the pie chart there?
1: Again, like such a great question that like my answer is always like, well, it depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And people get frustrated with that answer, but it really does depend on your goals and your individual situation. Uh, The rule of thumb is somewhere around 50% of your take-home pay towards those fixed costs, so the things that you have to pay, your rent, your mortgage, your minimum payments on your credit card, your car payment, the stuff that you have to pay every month. Then allocating somewhere in the neck of the woods around 20% for savings, and this can include retirement savings, but it can also include just money you're putting away in your old crap fund or just money you're putting away toward, towards another goal. And then the remainder 30% then is all the fun stuff. So it's shopping, it's extra payments on your credit card, going out to eat, all of those sort of fun things. So that's the 50-20-30 is kind of a rough guideline that everybody can measure up against a little bit. But again, this is kind of going to depend on where you live. Some people have higher housing costs, so they're going to be a little out of whack on that front number. And some people live places where they can save a ton of money. So maybe they're gonna be able to save more money. So it's just a kind of a guidepost there. But I would say, on average, you know, if you can save anywhere between five and maybe 20% of your take home every month, like that's a good goalpost to put yourself up against. And then just stay on top of all of those variable or fun expenses that you're spending. And start to ask yourself questions. Is there a better way I could do this? Or am I just like, this is how much this costs and I'm okay with it? Then great. But there are always ways to, I say, find money in your bank account. And really the the sweet spot is going to look at all of those irregular variable costs because that's really, I think, where the magic lies. Mm, yeah, for, for sure. Um,
0: now, how do you think that we should be setting ourselves up for future financial success? Like, so when we're 70 years old and modern medicine has made it so we're gonna live
1: another 30 (laughs) years, we can still make our dollar work. I think one thing that people might say is a bit ridiculous, but I really lean into this, is find a career that you love and also cultivate hobbies that you have that maybe could be future careers or future income sources. Because the reality is most of us are going to work into our 70s, maybe into our 80s. And I, my hope is that that's because we love what we do and not because we have to. So I think that's definitely something to think about. I think another thing is just keep saving money as much as you can save, Not not – deteriorating your lifestyle, you still got to have fun, you got to still do things that you that you really want to do and that make you super excited. But every opportunity that you could save a little bit, just plunk that amount into your retirement or into your savings because, you know, I've, I always tell people, like, I've never had anyone tell me on, on their deathbed that they saved too much money. <laughs> So the more money that you can amass and the more you can grow it over a longer period of time, just the more options you're going to have down the line. So I think if you think about those things and then and then I'm just a big fan also of of having fun in life. I don't think you should wait until you're 70 and 80 to go travel the world, but but do everything with some sort of balance in your life. And I think that's really going to help you. Just feel better and feel more motivated to keep up with with your money. Mm-hmm. And
0: I think the best some of the best things in life are free. or you know, like the trips. yes. I'm finding it I'm finding that um, some of the trips that I've enjoyed most when I think about it were the ones that were like the least lavish or I traveled the least far. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be some exotic trip to an, on an African safari to enjoy a vacation, and
1: you'll save a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, whatever city you live in, like, there's probably some cool hotel you could go stay at for a night or two and feel totally refreshed, or just even coming up with a list of, like, different things that you can do in your city that are free that you've never done before. I mean, I think for all of us, like, there's a great way to escape, like you said, without having to to break the bank or go somewhere super luxurious. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you said you live in Los Angeles. I live in Toronto. Those are both expensive cities for real estate. It's all It all varies all across North America. Some people have always said you should try to buy a house, but then now with the cost of, of mortgages and, and the situation a lot of us millennials find ourselves in with not being able to get the full-time steady jobs like our parents had, buying a house is just out of the question. You'd go bankrupt. So. What do you advise people do these days?
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's such a tough it's such a tough pill to swallow, especially if you live in places like we do, because it is so expensive. I mean, in Los Angeles, you easily have to have a half a million dollars is, is your purchase price. Easily, that doesn't buy you much out here. Uh, so I think that it, you really have to think about the vision that you have for your life. For most of us, we might be changing jobs. We might be moving around different places. And that in itself makes buying a house not a great idea because we would constantly be buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling, which you can do that, right? You can make that work for you. But for a lot of us, that's not the case. So I think just giving yourself a little breathing space, you know, just because you don't buy a house right now or because you don't buy a house in five years doesn't somehow make you Uh, you know a a bad money manager so I think really thinking about the vision for your life and whether buying a house makes sense because for some people it just doesn't make sense and that's okay or if it's something that you really want to do is there some place you can move to where uh, buying a house is more affordable Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and and I think for a lot some people owning a home is a dream and for others it's just not it's just another thing you've got to be tied to you know, so it's completely personal preference.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen the movement of tiny houses. And I think a lot of people are thinking, wow, if I could just spend 80000 or or 100000 and get this tiny house that moves around with me, why not do that? So I, I like that we're sort of changing the perception around buying a big house or that somehow that makes you worthy because I think it's just that's just not the case that's just not the measurement we should be held to yeah I think there's
0: I think you're right like I think there's going to be a millennial shift in not needing the big fancy blingy shiny house with three swimming pools Maybe. That's the hope. Maybe. Maybe maybe
1: two swimming pools.
0: (laughs) Okay. So my last question for you to keep on the topic of mindfulness, how do you recommend that we can be more mindful about our money mindset?
1: I think that we overlook the power of the money mindset. So most of us I'm going to say all of us have grown up as kids and we have developed some sort of mindset from our parents. And the statistics say that our mindset around money is usually set around age seven. So knowing that, I think you can really think about why do you make certain money decisions? Maybe why are certain things happening over and over again to you? But really, I think it's just a conversation around balance. So it's finding that right balance, you know, spending money on the things that help grow you financially and spending money on things that that help take care of you, that help, you know, have that whole wellness conversation around it. And I think if you think about everything with a little bit perspective, it takes some pressure off of you, but it also just helps you, uh, you know, be more well-rounded when it comes to your money. Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess we should also all be more cognizant of the way we talk to our kids about money
1: because that's going to affect them their whole lives. Absolutely. And on remembering that everybody's different. So some people are going to value certain things over other things. And I think that's like the wonderful thing about human beings is that we're all so different but i really think spending some time thinking about your money mindset and why you think certain ways about money and how maybe that's been cultivated and is there a way to have a shift so that talking about money and and getting involved with your money isn't a dreaded chore but it's something that is really empowering and exciting is there any
0: movement to get this in schools more
1: gosh i i am i'm trying um there's a lot of talk about financial literacy being pushed in high school, and I'm not sure that that's enough. You know, we spend time learning math and English and science over many years, so why not have the same skill set cultivated around our money? But uh, it's a difficult conversation, and I don't know if it's going to change very fast. But I I certainly hope so because I think if people knew just even a little bit more about their money that I really think we would see a lot of shifts worldwide for people. Absolutely. Well, look, it's been so great
0: talking to you. I could just keep firing off the questions. Thanks so much for having me. Mm -hmm. Money, 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 money. She's great. A certified financial planner, Shauna Compton-Game. Check her out on the Millennial Money Podcast. And you can actually go to her website at mmoneypodcast.com. On next week's show... Man, that's a good one. Next week's show is a good one. Let me tell you why. We have someone who, when I saw her speaking on a TED Talk, a TEDx, I paused... And I was overcome by every single thing she was saying. Her name is Dr. Ula Suoko. She is your personal guide to the signs of the universe. We'll be talking to her from Peru. That's where she lived. She lived in New York, but then she was like, screw it. I'm going to Machu Picchu, bitches. So we're going to talk to her from there. and. She says, there are no coincidences. The universe is always speaking to you, but you have to become aware of it. So she's gonna tell us how. And in preparation for this conversation, you should watch this TEDx um, talk that she did. And, And the link is actually in the show notes of this podcast. It's 17 minutes, it's so good. Watch that in preparation. If you don't, it, it's so not a big deal. You'll get so much great information from next week's show. Until then, follow along on my solo trip. Guys, come with me. Uh, on Instagram, Instagram stories at mindfulmostly. And if you haven't joined the fam yet, you can do that there too. So until next time, I will talk to you right here on mindful Mostly.